0: in Parikh Dalid of uh, Pirkei Avis there's a very, very famous Mishnah, which is uh, well known, we all know it Rabbi Eliezer HaKamper, Imer Rabbi says, A says Akina Taiva VaKavid Metzi'in Esa In so Akina, jealousy, Taiva, desire Kavid, when a person needs honor and is running after Kavid, Metzi'in Esa In Alam, they take a person out of his world so the concept is very well known and pretty well understood, it doesn't really need to be explained and developed further the, you know, the, the evil characteristics of, of, of jealousy and how it could ruin a person's life. But the language that the Mishnah employs is something that needs to be studied. What does that mean? It takes a person out of the world. What exactly is that referring to? Does that just mean that it can ruin your life? Likelihood is that the Mishnah is trying to give you an insight into what kinna, taiva, and covet is all about. What jealousy, uh, running after covet, running after honor, and, uh, and, uh, and, and desire really... What, what, what the risk of them are. In the very end of last week's parsha, the Torah tells us the story of the Makal. The Makal, someone who we say always backwards, he blessed Hashem, it means the other way around. It was a tragic story, it was a, a Jew who was the son of an Egyptian, his father was an Egyptian, a non-Jew. And the Torah doesn't give his name, it doesn't give the name of his mother, who was a Jewish woman, but we're familiar with the story from the Midrashim, where the story was that the Egyptian tripped, tricked his mother um, into thinking that he was her husband, he somehow managed to do that, and as a result, this child was born. Now, this child grew up without a Jewish father, and although he, you know, Lafman triumphed together with everybody else, because he was Jewish, he had a Jewish mother, but he was very, very severely compromised, because especially in the time that he lived, and, or a little while after, everything was determined by according to which shaved you belonged. And the shaved you belonged really depended on your father, and he did not have a father. And he got into a dispute with another Jew, and then he was Mavarach Hashem. He blessed Hashem, which means the opposite, and he was given the death penalty as a result. Now, the posse begins by saying, ben Yisraelis, this son of a Jewish woman, went out. Vehu ben ish and he's the son of a, of a Mitzri man. b'nei Yisrael among b'nei Yisrael. So this is Vayetze, he went out. Went out from where? It's a funny way to start. Is, it would only make sense if we know where he was earlier. So Rashi says a fascinating thing. Rashi says, Where did he go from? Rabbi Levi, Aymer, Rabbi Levi says, Me elama He went out of his world. He went out of his world. Very cryptic rashi, right? What does that mean? He went out of his world. Very, very similar language to the language we have in our Mishnah. It takes a person out of his world. This is really the source of this language. So what does it mean? So Rokhaim Shmulavitz in numerous places in explains like this. He says, typically the eitzahara has a, cer- a, cer- a certain modus operandi which we're familiar with. He-, he pushes you little by little, creeps up on you little by little. Like, for example, uh, first he convinces us to think in our head unfavorably about someone else. And it continues to percolate in our mind, and we find different opportunities to find fault with that person. And we create this self-supporting narrative uh, in our minds, how bad that person is and how much damage they do to others and, and whatever else. So after thoroughly getting us, takes spell, spends a couple of weeks, where he thoroughly gets us to be dan we're over on the, the mitzvah of uh, Tzadet Tishved to be dan chos, and he really gets it, really convinces us in our minds, haven't done anything yet but in our minds we truly now have accepted that that person is just no good and bad and evil and, and all kinds of things already very firm in our mind now at that point he pushes us to the next step, now he takes some action so that's pushing us towards Lush and Hard. Now, it doesn't start with actually talking. It starts with like, some. you hear people talking about that person, and we roll our eyes. We just do a little bit, you know, a little uh, hint that we don't really hold to that person, that we don't, you know, we don't approve of that person. So it's just a tiny little thing. That's the next thing. And then after getting us into that, he starts to get us to talk and then to say things and little comments here and there, and then actually to start outright talking to our friends just to. To, to you know, to let loose and to to get it out of our go over our, our chest what we feel about that person, and after he has established a firm foothold in Lashon Hara, then he moves on to the next frontier. He tries to make Machleikis happen, and then he looks to get us to confront, confront that person and to oppose them, and then to exclude them and to make them to make a, a true you know, true discord between you and them and other people. And really, he has us ensnared from way, way way before that when he just it was a little thought in our mind of a question of should we give that person the benefit of the doubt or not. That's typically the way the Sahara approaches us. He needs to work little by little by little to creep up on us and to get a foothold and to convince us to eventually do something which is quite bad. Now, the reason why the Yitzhakara has to take that approach is because, really, we have a lot of safeguards built in to protect us from doing bad errors. See. We we we're decent people. We're eurasian man, We're God-fearing people. And these safeguards are our upbringing, the Torah that we learn and we hear, the example set by good people that live around us, the power of peer pressure to be a good person, to be a righteous person. And our communities also they set standards of righteous behavior. And we want to feel a part of our community. We want to feel accepted by our friends. So we can't just push us to do something which we know is bad and we know is wrong because that you know the world we live in doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't work, doesn't accept that it won't tolerate that so the combination of all these factors our friends our family our associates our morals our upbringing that's our world that's literally our world that's the way we refer to it right that's our world in a literal in a figurative sense it's called lama. it's a person's world and a person's world is our greatest protection Against doing various and that's why the Yitzhakara has to sneak in. He can't get in straight. We have we have quite a protection built up around us our, between our, our, our the morals that we have and are supported by the places that we live and the people that we associate with. So in order to get in, he has to sneak in. That's as long as we live in our world, whether we're we're within Ilaamay presence in his world. However, certain things have the ability to take us out of our world in one shot. We could be Alama. And these things are equivalent to a, the Yetzirah's atom bomb. He can demolish, you know, our whole everything that keeps us sane, so to speak. He can take us out of our world. And certainly, saying this, when we get challenged by these tests, uh, the risk is tremendous because if we fall into the negative behavior that are associated with these kind of tests, it, it can totally make us lose sight of all the things that normally protect us: our morals, our people, our friends. Nothing will play a role. Nothing will prevent us if we allow ourselves to get caught up in it. This uh, Particular makal, he was Yotsamei Lamed. The, the, the question Rosh is trying to ask, ask, answer, I'm sorry, that the Pusk is trying to answer is that how could it be? How could it be a Jew that experienced Yetzirah Mitzrayim? He experienced Kriyas Yamsef, He was in the Midbar. He ate Mun. He saw the Ananiya covet, and he cursed. He, he was mechal? How could, How is it possible? How could such a thing happen? You know, a person could have neshyanis. He could a terrible thing can happen to him. He could be very sad. Uh, he could be angry at Hashem. But curse! It's like that's a total loss of faith and uh, amuna and it, it, it's it's How is it even possible? And to that, the pasuk and Rashi explains answers that me'alamayata. He had lost his connection to his world. How? How did it happen? Rashi goes on to explain. He has more than one shot, but one shot he says is that he had had this altercation. He had this fight with another person because he was trying to be part of Sheva Dun, because that's where his mother was from. And they said, no, you can't. You're not, Your father's not from Shevedan, and they, they didn't allow him to settle there. And they went to Bezdin, Maishu Banu's Besden, and that's what the Torah says. So Maishu Banu found him to, to... He lost. So he left Maishu Banu's Besden, and now he had lost. He had lost his community. He had lost his standing. He had lost a sense of belonging. He didn't belong to anybody anymore. He was a nobody he was Yotsamei Lama so he lost all sense of self all sense of morality and this itself is a very powerful message about how important it is to make people feel included, welcome, keeping up with them being friendly just that they should feel a part of a community because it's a tremendous, tremendous sign when a person doesn't have that so he was Yotsamei Lama so this is what the mission is telling us Rabbi Lazarus Kapra is telling us that there are many bad evil mitis, evil characteristics anger is terrible Mara says terrible things about anger Gaiva is terrible, hoardiness, terrible, terrible. Um, um, amida. everybody should work on that. But Rebbe Lazar Karpa says there's only three of the bad midas that have this ability that if a person gets obsessed, he will lose sight of everything. It can be mo- take a person out of his world, and the Dietzahara won't even have to do little by little. He can he'll, he'll be able to overcome you, everything that you hold dear, everything that would be normally your standards will fall by the wayside. And that's kinataiva and covet. If a person gets obsessed by jealousy, a person can just lose sight of everything. And be lose that protection of their world. What's their world? A person gets obsessed by covet, obsessed by, 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 by getting respect or getting the honor he wants, or they want, they can totally lose sight. And likewise, if a person gets obsessed with desire, just overcome with taiva, the same thing will happen. They'll just lose the ability to think rationally so these three particular midas, that's what Rabbi Elazar Karp is coming to say it's different than other medis understand there's a tremendous risk associated with them and that is they could be made seen as Adam and Adam they could make us lose that inbo- inborn protection that we have of our values our morals our friends our family our community our upbringing everything that we have that's our world that protects us from sin these three avarists when we get become obsessed with them have the ability to just straight straight off the cliff into the into whatever it is the wants us to do. And that's the, the point that this mission is coming to say. Have a good night and a wonderful Shabbos.